0: Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs Podcast. Every week we will provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday services. On this episode, the mindset of a kingdom member. Have you ever been shopping at a store when someone mistakes you for an employee and asks you for assistance? These moments are often uncomfortable and awkward, but the tension in those moments often reveal an important contrast. Customers and employees have a significantly different mindset about the store as well as their role within it. Unfortunately, this tension also exists within the church. Some of us approach the kingdom as customers, thinking about what the kingdom can do for us, while others see the kingdom as a place to work and serve the king. In this message, Pastor Corey unpacks what those mindsets look like inside of the church and how we can shift from thinking about the church as customers and start seeing the kingdom as something we belong to and serve. So let's jump into the fourth message in this series, The Mindset of a Kingdom.
1: All right. Well, good morning again. I'm glad to, uh, to see you guys all here. How many of you guys like Walmart? I love Walmart. In fact, when I was in college, Walmart was like my Go to store. I don't think I went to another store other than Walmart. I I remember uh, being so excited because I was getting an apartment. It was my first little go outside of you know the college dorm room. I, w- I went to Walmart to stock up my cupboards because now I had cupboards and you know so now I've got you know cupboards to put stuff in plates and bowls and 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 uh, cups and so I went to Walmart. For three dollars, I got cups, bowls, and uh, and plates, and I was I was good to go. That was four days worth of meals. So it was a long time ago, and uh, so so here I was, you know, Walmart. Loved it, and uh, it was great. Now that all changed the day I got a job at Walmart. Now it doesn't mean that I didn't like Walmart. It just is my mindset about Walmart changed. Okay? I went from being a customer at Walmart to being an an employee of Walmart. And there's a big difference in mindset from customer to employee. Right? Do we understand this? Right? We know this. So if you're a customer somewhere. You have a certain way that you think about and engage the organization if you're a customer. If you're an employee of that organization, you have a completely different view. Let's talk about customers for a moment. A customer, when they engage with an organization, they engage the organization primarily for their own personal benefit. So I went to Walmart and I still go to Walmart when I want something or when I need something. So for instance, uh, a few days ago, I didn't have, you know, my my lunch is like ham and cheese. I kind of, that's, it's pretty much a common lunch for me. Well, I was out of cheese. So guess where I went? To Walmart. And I went to Walmart and I walked in. I did not walk in with the mindset of an employee. I went in the mindset of a customer i went there purely for my own personal benefit if walmart did not have cheese i would not have gone to walmart does that make sense right customers engage organizations because in some way that organization benefits them that's that's why we call them customers now the second thing is customers have very little commitment to the success of an organization. I like Walmart. I want it to keep going as a business in Gray Falls. But I'm not willing to sacrifice much to keep it going. Right? I'm willing to go there as long as there's personal benefit to me. I But I'm not going to sacrifice extra money just to keep it in the business. I'm not going to you don't donate money to keep Walmart here. Not going to do it. Customers have a very low commitment to the success of any organization. Now, employees have a higher level of commitment, don't they? Because, well, we'll, we'll get to employees here in a moment. The third thing about customers is this, that customers expect when they enter into a, a business or engage an organization, they expect to have their needs met and that they will be well-served, or they will leave for somewhere else. Has anybody ever gone into a, let's just say a restaurant, and the service was so bad they got up and left? Right, has that ever happen to you? Did you just go home, or did you go to another organization? Did you go to another establishment? I'm guessing you probably went to another establishment. You got frustrated because why? Your needs weren't being met. You weren't being served adequately. So you get up and you go somewhere else. That's what customers do. Customers don't stand up and say, hey, let's solve this problem. Let's figure this out. Why I'm not, what's organizationally that's broken here that's causing me not to have my needs met? Customers don't do that. Employees do. Do. Now let's talk about employees for a second. Employees are different. They have a different mindset. When an employee engages the organization, they do so understanding that there is not only benefit for them if the the organization succeeds, right? Like if they get a job, they get a paycheck, but there's also benefit for the organization or the owner of the organization. Let's just say you're working at a coffee shop Right? You're not the owner, but you're, you're an employee of the coffee shop. You understand that there's a benefit for me serving customers well and making good coffees and seeing my establishment, you know, grow and flourish. There's a benefit to me. But that benefit also extends not only to all the other employees, but also to the owner of the coffee shop. You're, you're working for someone. You understand that. It's not just... You know, I didn't know who was, who ultimately, you know, I was working for shareholders when I worked for Walmart, but I also was working for the team that was working there. I I wanted our store to succeed because if it succeeded, I succeeded also. There was a benefit to me and a benefit to the organization. So employees don't just show up, or at least let's just say good employees don't just show up thinking it's all for me. You know, I'm only here to collect a paycheck, right? That's not good employee, uh, a good employee mindset. A good employee understands there's benefit for me and there's benefit for others, and I'm willing to contribute so that we all can enjoy those benefits. The second thing is that employees do have a vested interest in seeing the organization uh, succeed and uh, expand and... Profit. If I am an employee at a uh, at a small little coffee shop, right? I'm not the owner, but that coffee shop is able to expand and maybe that goes to another coffee shop and we have two locations and maybe that means extra income for me. Maybe it means a uh, hey, profit sharing. The, the owner decides to share profits with the people. You know, as the business succeeds, so I also as a member of that organization succeeds. So I have a vested interest in seeing the organization grow and flourish, and accomplish what it's set out to accomplish. The third thing about employees is that employees, when they step into the organization, expect to utilize their talents and abilities and gifts to serve and meet the needs of others. When you go to your job, whatever it is, you expect to serve and meet the needs of other people. You don't walk into the doors going, hey, Me, right here, serve me. Where's my coffee? You know, you don't do that. When you, as an employee, you expect to serve and meet the needs of other people. That's what employees do. Customers are different, right? Customers, they do walk in and, you know, where's my coffee? Right, they expect to be served. Employees expect to serve. Now let's just Stop for a moment. And some of you guys are like, what in the world are we talking about? Why are we talking about customers, and employees? And... Well, let me challenge you with this. I think that maybe the vast majority of Christians have embraced the customer mindset when it comes to church. They have began to think about church and their participation at church or in church from a customer's perspective rather than an employee's perspective. Let's just go back to what a customer does. A customer engages organizations primarily for their own personal benefit, right? What would be the impact on the church if we all only came into the doors of the church for what the church could give me? If the only reason we were here is because I like Corey's messages or the only reason I'm here is because I like the music, or the only reason I'm here is because they have good coffee in the coffee bar, if the only reason you're here is for what you can get from the organization, how weak does that make our church? In the moment, Corey's message isn't just over-the-top great, which that never is going to happen, but at some point it might Right? When, when the, the message from, you know, Corey isn't the best, or at some point maybe the music isn't gonna, you know, you, they didn't sing all the songs you like, and, or they changed stuff, and that just is so frustrating. The moment all of a sudden, as a person who attends with a customer mindset, if it's not all of a sudden meeting all of your needs or doing everything for you, then guess what? Why come? Why be a part of something like this? If our view is the church exists for me, and the church, I've, I've heard lots of people, and I, and I don't want to sound like I'm dragging on people or anything, but I've had lots of people come and say, you know what, we're going to go somewhere else. The church just isn't meeting my needs. Well, if the moment you think that the church exists to meet all of your needs, it reveals how you think about the church. You are thinking of the church more from a customer mindset rather than a an employee now i i understand the idea of customer versus employees a little crazy because you're not getting a paycheck from the church like for me i think about the church i'm employee here i get a paycheck but i want you to think differently just in the view of if i think of the church as a as a customer then that creates a vulnerability for us as a church i think of it as it exists for me I don't have a high commitment level to its success. If it succeeds, great. If it doesn't, I'll just go to the next place down the road. Uh, And I also, when I walk in the doors, I don't expect to serve. I expect to be served. I expect for people to meet my needs. And if that's the case, if we're filled with customers and not employees, then guess what? We're going to be very, very weak as a church. What Christ calls us to is not the mindset of a customer, but He invites us to be a part of His kingdom and to own it, to view ourselves as members of His kingdom, and that the kingdom does not exist for us, but we are a part of the kingdom. We exist in order to bless the kingdom and the team of kingdom members, as well as exalt the king. That's really the mindset we should have around church. We should see ourselves more as members or employees of the kingdom. And God calls us to follow follower of Jesus. To become an employee or have an employee mindset at the church means that we no longer step in the doors thinking, hey, I, where are the people to serve me? But rather, God is bringing into my path. It's a big difference, and I want to challenge you to think differently about the church. Now, obviously, the church is an organization of people, but more than that, it is a kingdom, and Christ has invited you to be a part of it. Now, when we use the word kingdom, which is the word Jesus used, 99% of the time when he talked about the church, he used the word kingdom, what does a kingdom have to have? It's in the name. Kingdoms have kings. Kingdoms have kings. Now, the word "king" is something that we don't structure, and we're coming to the United. We're coming over to this new land in which we could establish something free of this uh, monarchical system that is ruling over us and we're going to embrace something different and it's going to have a certain framework that is free people out from the dictator or the tyrant or the authoritarian the interesting thing about this we have the right king We'll never be right until we have the right king. Now that's really important, isn't it? The reason why we don't like kings is because we know what kind of kings men make. We're not very good kings. We, we typically are self-oriented. We typically uh, get corrupted by our power. We, we typically choose whatever is self-beneficial for us, It's all about us, and so we don't make good kings. The Bible is all about, look, there's all kinds of people that want to sit on the tent. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come. Why? That you might have life and have it more abundantly. Mark 10.45, what does Jesus say? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, I've not come to be this self-oriented, tyrannical, dictator king. I've come to be a servant king. That we all need a king. We've got to make sure that whoever that king is, is the right one. He's the right king. Read that. We kind of, at least I do, sometimes get the idea that Christ's invitation was that Uh, Peter and Andrew would suddenly get off the boat and then just follow Jesus around. Like, I've got this little kitten in my house I talked about a couple weeks ago. This little kitten, if you just start walking around, the little kitten follows you and ultimately then attacks your leg. (laughs) A person in authority could ask a person to do what he asked them to do. What did he ask them to do? Number one, he asked them to leave their jobs. He asked them, number two, that's something only a king can do. Does that make sense? Kings can say, I want you to do this. Loyal subjects say, yes, my master. Yes, king. Yes, Lord. Whatever. We, we know that when a king asks us to do something, if he's really the king, we'll do it. The invitation from Jesus to follow him was not just come and follow me around. Try to connect some more dots today. Follow, believe, faith, allegiance. The first thing is, I just want you to think of this. Will is ultimately our, our structure, our effort, our strength to do. Right? To make a decision and follow through with it. It's a decision of the will. So how many of you guys know um, waking up at 5 a.m. would be a hell But when the alarm goes off at 5 o'clock, the will takes over. The will just says, not interested. The snooze is a much better option, Corey. Right? Ask my wife. She knows it's like snooze, snooze, snooze. It got even worse when all of a sudden it would pop up on my watch, snooze. I could just, I didn't have to reach over to find the phone. I could just go. Right? The will. I'm never going to wake up at 5 a.m. and work out unless that's a decision of the will. Right? He's a, he's a great speaker. You know, he just, man, I, you know, emotionally, just, you just feel drawn to the guy. But at some point, there's gonna have to be a decision to follow. Now. What does it take for that decision to become a reality? Well, it takes belief. Belief is the framework you use to make decisions of the will. Okay, Belief is the framework you use to make decisions of the will. If Simon and Andrew thought Jesus was a nut job thought that he was possessed by demons like the Pharisees believed, if they thought he taught improper uh, contexts of doctrine, if they thought bad things about Jesus, would they interpret his invitation to follow them in a right way, right? He would've, they would have had a framework that went like, well, we like him and intellectually it sure kind of makes sense. But you know what? I don't think I'm going to do it. It's not worth the cost. It's, not, it's too risky. I'm not willing to, to make that step. It's the framework that you use to make the decisions you make. So, right? We all know that we need a decision of the will to follow Jesus. But in order for us to make that decision of the will, it also requires a proper belief a proper framework in which I make that decision. If you go into that framework thinking that Christ came for you, if you interpret all of this from a customer's perspective, if that's your framework, is it the Bible, is all, you know, it's all about me and it's about my sinfulness and it's about my salvation, right? That's that's a customer mindset. Then guess what? you're always going to struggle with the decision to surrender it all for Jesus Christ. Because your framework of making that decision of the will is not really genuine belief in who Christ is. It's more a framework of I need and want. And those two things are going to be a struggle for you. Until you begin to see the Scripture from the biblical context or the biblical framework of Christ and His kingdom and that His invitation to us is to be restored back to our created intention of being part of His kingdom. And that our sinfulness is actually the obstacle that got us removed from the kingdom and that Christ's death came to bring us back into that kingdom. When we start understanding then the position of christ and the supremacy of christ and the greatness of christ that makes then the decision of the will much easier simon and andrew saw jesus as the messiah king that he was because that was their framework of belief then it made sense to sacrifice everything to join his team it made sense to reorient everything about their lives around his kingship. Now the third, uh, so we have uh, follow and then believe. Then we have faith. And many times when we use the word faith, we think about faith from the, from the perspective of this is what I believe. Right, we've talked about this in previous messages that faith is more than just I believe something. Now, we often use the word in that context, like, you know, this is my faith. This is what I believe. But that's not actually, I mean, there is a, there's a portion of the word uh, in the Greek that we translate faith. There's a portion of it that implies that. But more often, as you read through the, the Scripture, when you see that word, the Greek word, it actually translates into an arena of faithful or faithful faith. The Greek word for faith used in the, in the Scripture, in the Greek, is the Greek word pistis. Pistis. It can mean kind of a confidence in, but let, let's just take this for instance. Nine different times the word pistis is used in connection to God. Okay? It's used in relation to God. God. It never, ever, in any of those instances, does it say God believes this. It's always transful, uh, translated, "God is faithful." He is. Uh, It'll it be his faithfulness, or basically his allegiance to His Word. Let me give you an example. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And then there's a little phrase. God is faithful. Greek word, pistis. God is faithful. It doesn't mean God believes something. It means that he will be who he says he will be. You can count on him. He won't, he won't be in error. He won't fall short. He's not going to error here. He's not going to leave you hanging. As a husband, when I stood on the stage and made, a, made vows to my wife, I wasn't pledging my belief in Tasha. I was pledging my allegiance to her. I was pledging in good faith. Right? I was pledging to be faithful to my pledge to her. The idea of faith in the Scripture is much more tied to our commitment to the King and being faithful to it than it is in the arena of I believe something. So, if we understand that, then we can go to like First 1 John 1, nine. That if we, if we sin, right? We confess our sins and God is what? Faithful and just to forgive us. It talks about an action that He will be faithful to do. God has called us to be people of faith. All right, are we we tracking? I want to make sure we're tracking here. He's called us to be faithful. Not just people that believe in his existence. Not just people that believe that he is, you know, he existed and that he was good and that he's God. Right, That's, that's something we can think up here. Pistis is, I will live that out. It will be a decision of my will. And I will be faithful to it. I will reorient my life around who he is. So, how does this look? I want to show you a little passage in Mark chapter 10. There was a young man who came running to Jesus one day and desperately wanted to know how he could be saved. In verse 17, it says, as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, of all of my years in ministry, I've never had anyone run up to me and say, hey, Pastor Corey, I need to get saved like right now. What do I need to do? I've never had anybody do that. I've had people come up and ask, you know, will you pray with me? I, you know, I've, I've had people, but there is a sense of urgency in this fella, right? He's running up to Jesus, which suggests he's not, I mean, he knows if he misses Jesus, right? There's an urgency, like I need to hear what this guy has to say. He calls him good teacher, right? He's got Jesus in, you know, hey, this guy's got an answer for me. And so I'm coming respectfully. It says that he kneels down before him. He postures Himself in humility and respect. And then He asks the right question, right? What must I do to be saved? Notice His perspective. Does He see God from the perspective of an employee or a customer? It's all about what I need to do. What's the benefit for me? Jesus responds and says, Why do you you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And so this guy goes to Jesus, I've done all of this since I was a young boy. Now here's the interesting thing. If you've got a guy who's being super obedient to the scripture, he wants to know what needs to be done to be saved, He's kneeling before Jesus, calling him good teacher. He's, he's run up to him. I mean, he's got, this guy has postured everything. That if that happened in a church, I'd say, you know what? Just raise your hand in the service. We'll pray a little prayer and you're good. That's what I would say, right? I would just say, you know what? You've done everything pretty much. You're pretty much already saved. You know, you've done everything. But that's not what Jesus says. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, looking at him, and loved him. And he said to him, You lack one thing. Isn't that interesting? I, I love the fact they added this little nugget in there. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus cared enough to tell this guy the truth. He cares enough about you and me to tell us the truth as well. And then Jesus says this, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Come and follow me. Now a lot of people will stop and think, well does that mean to follow Jesus? You have to sell everything. No, the answer is no. Unless the king asks you to. Unless the king asks you to. The one thing, the one area of this guy's life that he still wanted to be king over, Jesus pointed right to it. There were a lot of things in this guy's life that were surrendered to God. Right? He obeyed the commandments. He, it, it suggests in other passages that he was a, a kind of a a leader in the synagogue, so he was obviously a pretty religious-minded guy. He probably, he comes running to Jesus. got Jesus in the right place. I'm listening to your teaching. I'm, I'm bowing before you. I mean, this guy's got everything kind of in line. And then Jesus goes, but there is this one place that's holding you back that you refuse to surrender to the authority of the king. You see, this comment from Jesus here is a real, it's a real test. It's not a test of what he believes. It's a test of his faith, of his allegiance, of his willingness to allow Jesus Christ to be the king over it all. Notice that if he would just do those things and sell them and put Jesus in his rightful place, he invites this young man to do the exact same thing as Peter, And Andrew and other apostles, they could choose to follow him as well. To reorient your life around the king. That's exactly what Jesus invited this young man to do. And it says that the man turned around, disheartened, it says, he went away sorrowful in verse 22. He went away sorrowful. In Luke, when it gives this account of of this passage, it actually uses a word that talks about basically his heart was in great anguish and agony. He didn't just go away sad. This guy went away understanding how difficult of of a task the king just gave him. Let go of your life and trust me with everything. Let me be the king over all of it. That invitation to that young man, the same invitation he gave to Simon and Andrew, is the same invitation that Jesus Christ gives to every single person. Will you allow Jesus to be the king over every part of you? The big question that I have for you today is simply this. What will it take for you to follow Jesus? What will it take for you to reorient your life around the kingship of Jesus? To not live your life for yourself? To not view your life as, you know, it's all about me and what I can get or how I can benefit or how others can benefit me, how they can serve me, how they can meet my needs. But rather to think about your life As something that can benefit and bless the king. What will it take for you to follow Jesus? To reorient your life around his kingship. There he had bowed and I closed. I'd like to just take a moment and think on him. What you believe about Jesus will determine the decision of your will. And the Bible says that that decision of the will is often a declaration of the mouth. I want to read a passage to you. Romans 10, 9 and 10. says simply this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, it's with your mouth that you profess your faith, your allegiance, and are saved. Maybe you've been in church for your whole life. You've listened to a lot of things. You're a lot like that rich young ruler. And maybe today, for the first time, you're realizing that you need to profess your allegiance to the King, Jesus, and to reorient your life around him in every part. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. To just simply make a confession that Jesus Christ is Lord over every single part. So if you need to make that profession today, to profess him as king over your life, would you just slip up your hand? That's your confession today. Just, I need Christ to be the king over my life. Thank you for those who are raising your hand right now. Christ is king over my life. Now making that profession means then that we also are willing to reorient our lives around his kingship, and that's a terrifying thing. But I want you to know the king is good. He's righteous. He's holy. He cares about you. He loves you. And He will lead you in the best possible ways. So, God, together as those who have raised our hands to you, asking for you to be king over our life, we pledge our allegiance to you. We pledge our faith. And we choose then to reorient our lives, whatever that means. We know that there are things in our life, different places maybe that you're putting your fingers on. For the rich young ruler, it was his possessions and his wealth. For some of us, maybe it's our career. For others, it might be our our thought life. For others, it might be uh, our families. Whatever we need to surrender to you, Lord, give us the strength to lay it all before you and to let you be king of it all. We thank you for the privilege of being in your kingdom, and thank you for being our king. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started Plan on our mobile app or our website, HarvestSprings.com. The Getting Started Plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.